0: If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 14 this morning, Mark chapter 14. I don't know about you, but I've loved preaching through the book of Mark, and I'm going to tell you something. I love it because nobody can accuse me of just picking out a sermon out of the blue and, and preaching to you, amen? And if you're here, the message is for you, amen? It's for me. I got three fingers pointing back at me when I got one finger pointing at you, and so I need this message just as much as anybody else. But I want to preach um, as our study of Mark, we're going verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and I'll finish the uh, message tonight on the good side of it, when Peter is restored, and when he comes back and he's forgiven, and God uses him once again. I'm glad that failure is not final in uh, the Christian's life, Amen. that you can get back up and that God can draw you back uh, under conviction as he did um, Peter but this is the this is the saddest and most tragic passage, probably in the Bible. Uh, every time I read the story, I'm thinking reminded of how fast and how far a saint of God can fall. Don't you say you'd ever do it? Don't ever say never. And um, how we need to draw nigh to God and let God draw nigh to us, because folks, the only good defense is a good offense. Say amen. Come on, say amen. You Georgia Bulldog fans, you better say amen about good offense. 55 points, praise God. But anyway, uh, it's a good offense. It's a good defense. I mean, you just keep keep them off the field. You know, just keep on scoring points. But I want to tell you something. This is not a game. This is a warfare. Amen. 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 And I want to say this. The only hope you have of living for God and glorifying God and staying pure, keeping your marriage together, uh, keeping your sanity together, keeping your soul together, is drawn out of God, drawn out of God. What a lesson we're going to learn in a minute. And I find in this message, not only the fast and far fall, but I see the hope and encouragement. Um, And that sounds strange, but the hope and encouragement that I find because Peter got back up. And Peter got under conviction. And Peter was used greatly by God. And tonight we're going to see his two books that he wrote. And you'll see about five lessons he learned by getting right with God, getting back to God out of 1 and 2 Peter. So let's stand on the Word of God. Uh, Mark chapter 14, verses 10 through 16. If you can possibly make it back tonight, please, please come for page 2, Paul Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. I want you to see the end of the story. I want you to see the light out of the dark forest. And that's why I like to preach Sunday morning and Sunday night. If not, we'd be here to 3 o'clock and you'd all shoot me. And so we're just going to preach part one, amen? Good to see each one of you here. Several of you had surgeries lately, and you're back in the house of God, and it's just a blessing. Uh, to see Cecilia back all the way from the Philippines, and just every one of you here, and all our visitors. We live for visitors. I mean, thank God you're an honored guest. If we can do anything for you, just let us know. Look at verse um, uh, chapter 14 uh, chapter fourteen of Mark. We're going to begin with verse 6, 6, 66, okay? And As Peter was beneath the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest. Now listen, and when he saw Peter, he warming himself, she looked upon him and said, And thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. And he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crewed. And a maid saw him again, and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little, a little after, uh, they they that stood by said unto Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse, and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. Verse 72 says, In the second time the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him before the cock crew, crows, twice. Thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he thought thereon, he wept. You may be seated as I preach a few minutes on God's forgiveness for a saint of God. Father, thank you for everyone who's here today. God, thank you for those that made a special effort to be here. I know the devil tried to talk them out of it. But God, they're here anyway, and I appreciate them so much, being in the house of God. And Lord, there's ever a message that we all need. We need this message on the warning that we could fall, and the warning that we could slip away, and the exhortation, dear God, that we need to stay close. As the song says, day by day. In your will, in your word, worshiping you, being in church faithful, being in the prayer meeting at 5.30, and God being back in church on Wednesday. God, it's just not a ritual. God, it's reinforcement, because Lord, we're in a warfare, and the devil wants to destroy families, and he wants to destroy uh, the next generation. He wants to destroy our happiness and our joy, and he wants to take our testimony. And so, dear God, help us to realize the importance of Of staying close and listening to your word and heeding your warnings when you talk to us about we could fall. We'll praise you and thank you for what you do in and through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to look at this story through the lens of God's forgiveness. I'm glad God forgives, don't you? Amen. And we all need it. Some of y'all can look up here with your Pharisaical look and say, I don't need that. Well, you need it more than you think you need it. And folks, I believe the height of pride is when you don't think you need God. And when you don't need forgiveness and you don't need God's grace. We're in a warfare. And I believe Peter's sin even eclipses the committal of Judas's sin. Because you know something? Sinners sin. The lost, that's what they do. But I want to tell you something. We saints, not that we're perfect, we we'll to live for God. Well, be faithful. We should never, never swear and deny God with our testimony, with our priorities, with our, with our life, with our loyalty, with our words, with our love. And so I see that he was forgiven and he was restored, and I'll preach on that tonight, but he was used of God greatly. He wrote two books in the Bible, First and Second Peter. Hey friend, he preached and 3,000 people were saved. So there's hope for all of us, amen, Amen. that God's not finished with us when we sometimes fail. And So I'll preach just a few minutes on the fall and the forgiveness of a sinning saint. First of all, I want you to see Peter in his his denial, his rejection. Before I do that, I want you to remind you that uh, John chapter 1 verse 41 through 42 says that Peter was saved. Uh, Andrew was listening to Jesus preach. And Peter was an old commercial fisherman, and he wasn't interested in church. He was big and rough and tough, probably, and probably cussed a lot uh, uh, because it came back to him during this time. And he had a brother named uh, Andrew. He wasn't interested, but Andrew was. And Andrew got saved, and he ran home and he got his brother. Folks, the greatest thing you could ever do for someone is when you get saved, tell somebody else, amen? And folks, I want to tell you something, he was called to serve God. In Luke chapter uh, 5, verse 1 through 11, Jesus preached on a crowded shore of Galilee, and he launched out into the deep, and um, I believe he borrowed Peter's boat. And it wasn't logical, he was fishing in the middle of the day, and and, uh, convicted about the presence of the creator that can control all these fish and he fell down at Jesus' feet and he said oh Lord I am a sinful man and he said fear not in verse 10 uh, from henceforth you'll not catch just fish you're going to catch man amen you're going to be a disciple you're going to follow me and that's a step up say so amen and he changed his name from Cephas uh, uh, his name to Cephas which means a stone or solid And so he had a great conversion He had a great calling And then he was called uh, and had much contact with Jesus You'll look in Mark uh, sometime I'll just review it real quick In Mark chapter 6 verse 44, 45 through 56 He walks on the water with Jesus And he reached way down And picked him up brother Ray That's a good song, amen I love it when God puts the song service with the sermon. Amen. In Mark chapter 8, um, he reveals himself to Jesus and uh, says, Hey, listen, uh, upon this rock I'll build my church. Now, the Catholic Church misinterprets that completely and says that he was the first pope. Now, folks, how in the world could he be the first pope if he had a mother in law? Wow. Amen. Because his mother in law was healed. Come on, say amen. And I want to tell you something, folks, it wasn't the rock of Peter as a first pope. It was the rock of the revelation that Jesus is the rock and that Jesus is the foundation and that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life. And no man cometh to the Father but by him. Thank God he had contact with Jesus. He had a revelation of Jesus, who he was. He is the Son of God. He's not just a prophet, priest, or potentate. He's God. And then in Matthew chapter 17, oh, he had some contact there excuse me, go back to Mark chapter 9, verse 2 through 13. Peter uh, was taken up to the top of the mountain and he saw Jesus in his glory called the Mount of Transfiguration. Now Peter wanted to go in a building project. He got all ahead of God and he, was, he must have been a big mouth like me and he said before he thought and he said, hey, listen, let's just stay up here forever and let's go into a building program. And Jesus had to rebuke him. Thank God, friend, I'm going to tell you something. He had some good contact with the Lord. But I want you to see in this passage, not only his contact with the Lord, his calling for the Lord, his conversion by the Lord, but you want to see the commission of a great sin. Now this shocks me, and it should shock you, that a man that walked with God could do this. And Folks, that should warn you that uh, you're not exempt. You need God. You need his word every day. You need to pray every day. And folks, this is not just a ticket to heaven. Folks, this is a journey of glorifying God, being saved now, and being like Jesus, and being victorious, and fighting the devil. Because I'm going to tell you something, friend. The world is against us. The flesh is against us. And the devil's against us. And I'm going to tell you something. The lust of the flesh can draw you into terrible sin. The lust of the eyes, and then the pride of life. Jesus warned about it. Said, "Love not the world, neither things of the world." And folks, the th- same thing that got Eve is the same thing that'll get us. The lust of the eyes, the lust of the uh, the the flesh, and the pride of life. We want what I, we want. We want it now. We want. We want our will, not His will. We want to dictate to God and use Him as some kind of a grocery boy or something and just come meet my needs give me a ticket to heaven and keep me out of hell Lord and I'll live my life like I want to live it and I want to tell you something friend Peter walked with God but then he started walking afar off I want you to see uh, this disciple as uh, all the disciples looking back in verse uh, or ch- same chapter chapter 14 verse 50 and they all forsook him and fled they all not just Peter now let's don't Pick on Peter. But all the disciples forsook the Lord. And two of them, Peter and another one, at least had enough guts, pardon the expression, enough courage to go and follow the mob and see Jesus stand trial. The Bible says that they spat on him. And they covered his head and they mocked him and said, tell me who hit you. One day Jesus will tell them. One day, Jesus, omniscient God knows who hit him. Folks, he knows our attitude too. And John, who knew the high priest, according to John chapter 18, verse 15 through 16, got Peter into the inner palace. And in that inner palace was an outward palace, sort of like a courtyard, and there were people that stayed warm in that palace. And and we see that in uh, verse 54 Peter sits at the fire of the courthouse warming himself. Look at verse 54 of um, chapter 14. The Bible says and Peter followed him afar off and even to the palace of the high priest John got him in and he sat with him with the servants and warmed himself at the fire and the chief priests and all the council sought for witnesses against Jesus to put him to death and found none. But I want you to see friend that Verse 56 says, There are many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. So they put him on trial and couldn't even find a, a jury to try him. And they find some false witnesses. And folks, here's Peter. He's outside the courtroom. Maybe he's on the back row. I don't know. But folks, he's approached by a woman. And this woman tells everybody loud enough, as sometimes women Speak a little too loud and so does men. Say amen. I'm going to get in trouble now. Uh, And uh, uh, she was kind of loud and she said, hey, listen, you're one of them. And folks, we see that in verse 67, the Bible says, and when he saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, and thou was with Jesus of Nazareth. Thou was with Jesus of Nazareth. And then right before verse 68, the Bible says this, and he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what's saying. And he went out into the porch, and the rooster started crowing. That's the most unusual preacher in the New Testament. He started crowing. Because folks of God, the Creator, said, you crow. Because I predicted, and I prophesied back in the first few verses, verses 26 through 31, that when when you crow, he's going to be reminded what I said, that he would deny me twice twice. And so the rooster was warning Peter, and I believe with all my heart, Peter had a chance when he heard that first crow, or crew, or whatever, cock-a-doodle-doo, I don't know what it was, but I'm going to tell you something. He should have ran for the hills and got away from that crowd and said, hey, listen, I'm not going to warm myself by that fire anymore because the Lord told me that I was weak. The Lord told me that I would be self-sufficient. The Lord told me that I was defiant, but I just didn't listen. But he didn't. And then you'll see verse 69. And the maid saw him again and began to say to them that stood by, this is one of them. This is one of them. And folks, I want to tell you something. He began to, to, to do a double lie. Look at Matthew chapter 26, verse 71 and 72. I love the gospel because it kind of gives us some insights that some of the other gospel writers did not put in there, but it's still harmonious. I believe the word of God, don't you? 1,500 years, 44 different authors, 66 different books, not one contradiction. Amen. I believe every bit of it. But look at verse uh, chapter 26 of Matthew, verse 71. I'll get to the message. I'm just trying to get through the introduction right now. I'm enjoying it. But look at verse 71. And it says, And when he had gone out to the porch, another maid saw him and said to them that were there, This fellow was also with Jesus of Nazareth. I want you to notice verse 72 what he said and again he denied with an oath I do not know the man you could say that was swearing what he was saying he was lying doubly you know one lie leads to another lie and if you don't uh, quit lying sometimes you become a liar amen because you forget what you lied about so you just lie all the time amen trying to cover sin one sin leads to another sin especially the sin of omission. And when he lied, he said uh, another lie. I wasn't lying. That's two lies. But then he went a little further. The second maid confronted him, uh, and uh, he got afraid. And he he was afraid for his life. And he said, and they said back in the text, that uh, his accent gave him away. Now, Fred, I can go preach all around the country, and I've been up in Michigan preaching everywhere else, and my accent gives me away. I, I preach over in South Africa. My accent gives me away. I mean, I had I had uh, some guy from uh, England one time come to me when I was preaching in England for Brother Snow at a family conference, and he said, uh, "You must be from Kentucky." <laughs> I said, "I beg your pardon. I'm not from Kentucky. They can't speak English up there." No, I didn't. I didn't mean that. <laughs> he said, "Well, you must be from Alabama." I said, they definitely can't speak English, amen. I said, I'm from Georgia. Hey, your accent, your accent gives you a amen. I'm a southerner and proud of it, praise God. I'm about to fix him to get to my message too, amen. I like grits, John. But anyway, his accent, look at verse 70. And when he denied him again, back in Mark chapter 14, and a little after, and according to Luke, it was an hour, uh, they that stood by said unto Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeth thereto. And boy, he panicked then. And the Bible says in verse 71, and he began to curse and swear. And folks, I don't believe it was just gutter talk. I believe he be- began to invoke God as his ultimate witness, and he probably said something like this. May God Almighty damn me to hell if I'm lying. I believe if he was saying, God himself, take my life right now if I'm lying. He started swearing by God's name, according to Matthew. I just saw that this week. Now I'm going to tell you something, folks. Peter was on dangerous grounds. And I'm going to just say this. Peter is glad of the grace of God, and he wrote a lot about it in his two books. And because I'm going to tell you something, friend. He lost the fear of God. Folks, there's one thing to fear man, but it's another thing to fear God. And you need to fear God. That means you need to respect God. You need to reverence God. You need to put God first in your life. You need to realize this, that God knows. And I want to tell you something, when we lose the fear of God, we can do anything except get away with sin. We can go further uh, in sin than we ever thought we would because I guarantee you Peter never thought he'd swear by God's name and have a double lie. One lie led to another one. And he cursed because he lost the fear of God and folks I want to tell you something Peter and his rejection is terrible I, I could have summarized it for an hour but I want you to see the reasoning and why Peter denied Jesus this will help you this will help me I wish I'd have heard this message the day after I got saved because I thought I'd have it easy I thought the Christian life was some just fun time of celebrating and having Baptist suppers after, <laughs> after the service and having fellowship and, you know, just being in church. I didn't realize it was such a warfare. Amen. And it is a warfare. And folks, you're on the winning side if you're saved. If you're lost, you have no hope. Amen. You have no help. Right. You're on your own, and you're in pitiful shape. You ought to get saved this morning because Jesus loves you. That's and right. Jesus came to this earth to die for you Praise God, three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. Not for you to have some mundane, average life, but to give you life and life more abundant. And that means victory over yourself, sin, and Satan. Amen. Amen. I mean, have some joy. And you're never so much full of the joy of God than when you're in the will of God. I'm going to tell you something, friend. Peter became so miserable, he probably couldn't sleep. He couldn't eat. And I'm praying for that right now, for conviction to fall upon people that are out of the will of God. You say, oh, you shouldn't do that. That's not, that's not nice. I'll tell you what's not nice. It's what sin will do to you. Right. What it'll do to your family. You've, you've been there as long as I have. I've been preaching 46 years. You, you hear some terrible stories and heartbreaking stories. And, and you sit in, that, uh, you sit in that, uh, that study and you try to marriage counsel people that are away from God. And I'm going to tell you something, friend. It is horrible the devil can do and the flesh can do so don't you ever look at me and say i preach too hard against the devil and don't you ever say that i preach too hard against the flesh because i'm going to tell you something friend sin will cost you Amen. more than you want to pay it'll keep you longer than you want to stay But it'll hurt your loved ones a lot more than you ever want to hurt right. Peter would have believed, I guarantee you if we interviewed Peter, he said, I could not believe I did that. It wasn't Flip Wilson, the devil made me do it. I'm going to tell you what made him do it, it was the flesh. He yielded to the flesh. He yielded to the world. He yielded to fear, not the fear of God, but the fear his life was going to go down too because Jesus was being beat and, and spit upon and ridiculed and unfairly trialed while this was going on. He's by the enemy's fire and he's, he's hearing the slaps and he's hearing the mocking and he's hearing the cruelty towards our Lord. And he says, blank, I don't know him. And I swear by God, I don't know him. He can take my life I, I, if I'm one of him. But I'm not one of him. I'm not one of them. And I want to tell you something, folks. A man who does that is shocked how far away from God that he really is. Look at verse 31 of Mark chapter 14, real quick, and I'll get to the four points and we'll go. I won't keep you long. Verse 31 of Mark chapter 14, the Bible says this. It says, But he spake the more vehemently. I better back up to verse 30. And Jesus said to him, Verily I say unto thee, that the day when the, this night before the cock crows twice, Thou shalt deny me thrice, three times. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee. in any wise, likewise also said they all. So he started saying, hey, listen, uh, they might, but not me. And folks, I want to tell you something, folks. Peter could not believe that he'd ever deny God. He really was sincere. He really thought he was strong enough. He really thought that when he confronted, he'd stand for God. He didn't die for God. And so I want to give you four or five things that caused Peter to get to this place. And by the grace of God, you won't get to this place. Can you say, well, I never would get to this place? There's the first thing, self-confidence. Now, folks, I I believe in in confidence. Uh, I, I was raised... Uh, on the soccer field. And I got my scholarship to Georgia State University. I said Georgia State University. But uh, you know. And, uh, and, and I had a lot of confidence in myself. And then God broke me down. And broke me in half on a Sunday. When I should have been in church. And, and I didn't walk for 11 months of my life. And God rearranged my priorities. And rearranged my perspective. And rearranged my self confidence. I realized I was not so confident. That I could do without God. It's a dangerous place to get into when you say, hey, listen, they might might deceive you. They might forsake you, but not me. In verse 27, the Bible says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives in Mark 14. He just revealed to him, I'm dying for you. I am the blood. I am the bread. And he changed the Last Supper into the Lord's Supper. And they walked off. And then the next sentence on the way, he said, and Jesus said to them, ye shall all be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I smite the shepherd and the sheep shall be scattered. Verse 27, he, he, he quoted Zechariah thirteen seven. Now folks, I want to say this. Peter spoke up and he told the rest of them, you might lead, but I never will. And so folks, he had a lot of self-confidence. Peter believed that he, if he had reached that place in his spiritual life where failure was impossible. Don't ever believe that. It's a dangerous place to be, self-confidence. Now I believe you ought to have self-confidence in business, sport, whatever you do, you ought to believe you're going to be a winner. and You ought to, you ought to have some confidence. But I want to tell you something, if that's all the confidence you've got, you're in trouble. Because one day, the devil's going to come The flesh is going to come, and you won't be able to stand in yourself. Say amen right there. It's called pride. I want you to look at Mark, excuse me, Proverbs 16, 18. Proverbs 16, 18. Oh, it'll never happen to me. Don't ever say that. (coughs) Say, by the grace of God, I'll stand strong when the temptation comes. Say amen. In Proverbs 16, 18, I know all of you know it by heart, but I want you to circle it. In your Bible, Mark 16, 18. Real quick. I won't keep you long. It says pride goeth before what? Destruction. And a haughty spirit before a fall. Folks, I want to tell you something. The Bible tells us that pride goeth before destruction. Well, everybody else's family might fall apart, but not mine. Mine. Well, uh, they might backslide, but not me. Man, I got this thing down. I've been an independent, fundamental, King Tankers Baptist for all my life, and I've been in the house of God all my life, and my, and my mama drugged me to Sunday school when I was so young I couldn't even walk. Uh, not me, Lord! Don't ever say that. I'm going to tell you something. The devil can come, use the flesh, and destroy your life. Destroy your testimony. Destroy your marriage. Destroy your children. I've seen it over and over again. Folks, listen. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, verse 23. Turn there. Proverbs 29, 20. Don't you love to study the word of God, amen? amen. We're not palm readers. We're Bible readers. Say amen. amen. The Bible says in verse 23 of Proverbs 29, A man's pride shall bring him low, but honor shall uphold the humble in spirit. Amen. You know who the real hero is? It's a daddy that'll go to church whether he feels like it or not. You know who a real hero is? It's a guy that'll come to Sunday school because he knows he needs another hour of the word of God. Come on, say amen. I'll tell you who a real hero is. It's a daddy that's so we're going to have home devotions and we're going to read the Bible and we're not going to tolerate that filth on the TV. We're going to change channels. Because I want to tell you something, garbage in, garbage out, as a man think it's so is he. There's a lot of people thinking they're tough and they can handle pornography. It's addictive, it's aggressive, and it's deadly. The computer's full of it, Say, amen. Come on, you know what it is. You should never close the door on your uh, child's room and say you can just watch anything you want to. They can't handle it. And neither can you, daddy. Come on, say Amen. So this is not a typical nice little Sunday morning message. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I'm riled up about Peter falling. And I'm broken heart about other people falling. And so may I preach with a burden this morning? Amen. The Bible warns us against thinking that we've reached a place that we're immune from failure. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, please. I'm going to move out in just a second, I promise you. I won't keep you past your lunch time. Friend, I guarantee you some of y'all watched ball for about four hours yesterday, maybe five. You switched from the Georgia Bulldogs to the Atlanta Braves, and then you went over here to hope Kentucky beat Florida. Come on, Brother Randy. And I just you know, all day long. You was locked in that lazy boy. You couldn't even get out. Your wife had to drag you out, or she brought you a bologna sandwich so you could watch another hour. Woo! I'm getting a conviction now because that was me. No, but wait a minute. Wait, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's take time and realize that's just a game. What really counts is your Christian life. 1 Corinthians 10, 12 says this, Wherefore, let him thinketh that he stand and take heed, lest he fall. And the first 11 verses is what the wherefore is about. It's children of Israel that thought they could do what they wanted to do, and God showed them for 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. The Bible says they played and committed fornication and fell in one day 23,000 people in verse 8. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. You better start praying. You better start praying with humility. Lord, I can't handle the devil. That's a good prayer. Lord, I can't handle the lust of the flesh. You know, the lust of the flesh is aggressive. Oh, man, I'm going to tell you, there's Jezebel's all out there. And Casanova's too. Some of you women said, there you go, picking on the women again. And Casanova's out there too. Say amen. Come on. You ought to see the looks I get from some ladies while I'm preaching. What? Ladies, drivers? Yeah, I was saying, yeah, amen. You don't intimidate me. My wife does now. She starts looking at me. I'm saying, oops, picking on the ladies too much. (laughs) Hey, you're no match for the devil. But you're no match for this world. There's family wreckers. There's marriage wreckers out there. Lust of the flesh. I mean wicked lust. All appealing to the flesh. Sex. But it's a fantasy of an affair. It's exciting and thrilling for a few minutes. But then the reality comes of what you gave up. For the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. I'm saying, friend, Peter got there because of self confidence. And then he went a step further. Look at verse 31 of Mark chapter 14. He said, And he spake more vehemently. If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise also said they all. And so all the disciples said, yeah, that's right. And they started debating our Lord. How dare we argue with God's word? And they were defiant. I don't need church. I don't need Sunday school. I don't need to hear him preach again on Sunday night. I got an hour. That's enough to kill anybody. Jesus warned Peter very clearly in verse 31. He said, I will not deny thee in any wise. Defiant. He was defiant. He stood in open opposition to Jesus, and thus he stood in open opposition to the Word of God. I've seen people get so mad while I preach, I thought they were going to come up here and slap the fire out of me. Well, you better pray in the Spirit when that happens. Amen? Praise God. I ain't much of a fighter, but I'll sick my wife on you. Amen? No, no. no. <laughs> but I will to tell you something, friend. You go ahead and get mad because you need it. Because you need to get mad so you can get sad, then you'll get glad. That's called conviction. If you don't have a preacher step on your toes once in a while, I feel sorry for you. Just go to some little old religious ceremony sometime and you won't get nothing hurt. Matter of fact, you'll feel good about yourself before you get out of there. And you'll really feel good when you get out of there. Say amen. I've been to services where I thought, my word. I, I think I need to go jump into casket casket. This is the deadest thing i ever heard in my life. No conviction, no rebuking of sin. And folks, it ought to be done in love. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. Peter said right to his face, I do not believe your word. He had a clear word from God. And folks, that's called defiant. We don't mean to be, but sometimes we just sort of say, well, that's for somebody else. That's for the the other teenager. That's for for somebody else. It won't happen to me. Defiant. Then let me give you the second. got first self-confidence. Number two, defiance. Number three, prayerlessness and indifference. You'll go back to Mark chapter 14 verse 33 through 38. I won't go through it but Jesus is praying for you and praying for me and he's seeing the cup of the wrath of God that's about to be poured upon him at Calvary and he says Lord is there another way? And he goes back after praying that prayer and he's sweating great great drops of sweat and blood It's, it's, it's not only physical torture but it's emotional torture but it's spiritual torture because he knows he's going to bear your sin at Calvary your judgment, your wrath the cup of wrath and he goes back and what's Peter doing? I'm trying to look around see if there's anybody doing that right now sleeping, (laughs) sleeping aren't y'all glad y'all awake right now praise God I put some of you to sleep but listen, listen to me He was indifferent to the need of the hour. He said, could not you watch one hour? And then he comes up to Peter and all that group that was supposed to be praying and said, hey, listen, the spirit is ready, but the flesh is weak. And then he goes back and prays again. And guess what happens again? They're asleep again. And then if you'll see it, verse there's 41 40, 40 he, he goes back again the third time and he prays the same prayer the Bible says in verse 40 and when he returned he found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy neither wist what to answer him and folks I want to tell you something God's will is his word and his word is his will when God says pray, he means it. If God said to pray, he knows your weakness. The spirit is ready. The spirit is strong. The spirit is ready to give you victory, but the flesh is weak. Amen. Can somebody say amen there? Amen. Beware when your prayer life starts to suffer because literally what you're doing is you're dropping the shield of faith. And all the fiery darts of hell is hitting your soul, and you could do anything that a lost person can do. You just won't get away with it. You won't get away with it. The Bible says your sins will find you out. But the Bible says, "Be not deceived; God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap." And I want to tell you something, friend. The Bible says, "For whom the Lord loveth, He scourged and chastened. every son He receiveth." If you're a legitimate child of God and not illegitimate, Hebrews 12.8 uses a strong word about illegitimacy, then when you sin, you're going to get caught. Let me just give you some good news. You're not going to get away with it. And you might get away with it, man, but I'm going to tell you something. You can't run from God's judgment and you can't run from God's lack of peace and I'm going to tell you something. You can't run from the reaping of the benefits with your children going to uh, wild and, and you're losing your family and everything else you, w- you won't r- run from that let me warn you don't defy God and don't be indifferent when God says hey you need the prayer meeting you need to meet me in prayer cause you are weak but I am strong I'll fight your battles for you amen number four you got it now write it down self confidence defiance Prayerlessness and indifference. And fourth of all, impulsiveness. Look at verse 47. Don't you love to study the word of God? Say amen. Amen. I'm getting blessed if I read. Verse 47. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. You'll go to the other gospels. One of them was Peter. Here he is. Loud mouth, boisterous, impulsiveness. There's what'll get you in trouble. I can handle this, God. Just let me handle him. Over, a band of soldiers is over 600 people. There's 600 people coming after Jesus. And he says, hey, let me take care of this, Lord. I'm, I'm Mr. Macho Camacho, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Rambo III, and I can handle this. Pulls out his sword. He's gonna cut Malchus' head off, miss and gets his ear. That's impulsive. You cannot fight this warfare in the flesh. I don't care how strong you are, how smart you are, or how many years you've been in church. You can be in church every Sunday and not read your Bible, not pray and go through the motions, and you'll be as weak as water when the devil comes and knocks at your door. When the lust of the flesh flaunts herself or himself in your eyes, you're going down. Now, I just want to say this friend Peter was doing what he thought was right but he had no thought for what God said was right And Peter was out of the will of God when he pulled that sword he was out of the will of God because Jesus number one didn't need his defense in John 18 I believe or maybe it was Luke 18 no it was John 18 he said when they came to him I am And all 600 plus men fell on their back side. I won't be more explicit. They fell back. Peter saw that. Then they got back up. They're going to take him. And he was submitting to Calvary for you and for me. And Peter draws the sword. And he tries to cut off one man's head. And you better thank God that that day, Jesus picked up that ear and put it back on, or Peter would have been a dead man, and all those disciples with him. Because I don't think six—I don't think uh, the uh, eleven could take on the six hundred. Say amen. You might think you're some hero, but you're not that—you're not that tough. And so he didn't need Peter's defense. Number two, he could have called ten thousand angels, wiped that whole little smuggy group up off the ground his arrest, his trial his death was part of God's perfect will and he said Lord the Lord said here am I I am but when we take no thought for the will of God we're headed for trouble David said I don't have to go lead my men like it's commanded for all kings to do I'll stay at home and be my own king and he looked out over the palace and saw Bathsheba bathing. and the next thing you know, he's committing adultery. he's conceiving a child, and he's committing a murder. You read it, Second Samuel chapter 12, and 13, 11, and 12. He never thought he'd do that. He never thought he'd be that heartless, that wicked, that, that sinful. And folks, it all started with a sin of omission. It always precedes the sin of commission. So the best thing you can do for your family and the best thing you can do for yourself is stay in the Word. Don't come walking in here five minutes late saying Sunday school's not important. Don't come... Uh, prancing in here saying that you got something to do on Sunday night that's more important than the house of God I'm going to tell you something friend if you can see the future if you can hear what I hear every week and hear the heartbreak and the heartache you'd crawl to church tonight God. it's only by the grace of God your marriage is together your life is somewhat close to God it's only the, only the grace of God you say you shouldn't preach so blunt you don't know where I've walked this week you don't know the heartache that I've had to bear with some people. Impulsiveness, prayerlessness. He so said, I'll take care of him. I got my own strength. Let me close. And then I see him following afar off. Look at verse 50, 54. And when Peter followed him, that was commendable. He's going to the trial, he's going to the palace. John gets him in. He's warming by the fire. That's commendable. But wait a minute. It says, and when he followed him afar off. Now that's not just physically. That's spiritually. It's morally. He was just in church. He was distant. Let me just say this in closing. It's my time's up. The only time you're ever going to be happy is when you're walking with God. The only time you're ever going to be safe is when you're walking with God. The only time that you're going to be contented is when you abide in Him and His words abide in you. And you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. These things I write unto you. John 15 verse 10. These things I write unto you that your joy may be full and that my joy might remain. What things? Abiding Abiding means obeying. Abiding means knowing God. Abiding is like a branch that's dependent upon the trunk of a tree. And there is no source of hope. There is no source of help. There is no strength without abiding. Folks, there's one thing we ought to do in our life is we ought to know God, love God, obey God, and that means we abide with God. And if not, the devil's going to pick you apart. The devil is going to destroy everything that's wholesome to you. You know what's a shame? Jesus just taught this lesson to Peter and the disciples. John 15 is the day before this trial. He just taught them John 14. I'm going away. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. So I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive myself that where I am, there you may be also. And Thomas said, Lord, we know not where thou goest. How can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the lie. No man come to the Father but by me. But down in verse 12, he says, you'll do greater works. Then, b- verse 19, he said, Listen, I'm going away, but he's coming again. Folks, he just taught him. He just taught him. He just told him. The Spirit of God's the only way you're going to make it. Amen. Peter said, I think I can whip this whole crew. I think I can whip them all. I'll start with this guy's head. And then, last but not least, bad company. Bad company. He wasn't warming his hands by the fire of the ones that were giving their life with Jesus. It was the enemy's fire. Folks, the wrong company will result in the wrong living. The wrong loveling and the wrong associations precedes a brutal fall. Amen. Come on. You are who you are by who you hang around. While Jesus was being spit on and tried and beaten, the chief of disciples was down there saying, I don't know him. Blankety blank. I don't, I don't have a clue. I swear by God's name, I'm not, I'm not one of them. What was he doing by that fire? Folks, I know that fire was physical warmth, but I'm going to tell you what, friend, he was with the wrong crowd doing the wrong thing when he should have been with Jesus. Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 33, Be not deceived, evil communication corrupts good manners. 1 Corinthians 5, 6 says, Know ye not that a little leaven leaveth the whole lump? In Proverbs 13, 2, the Bible says, He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Young people, you just hang around that crowd that's cool and lustful, likes to flaunt it, you're going down just hang around the crowd that likes to cuss the teacher in the hallway and show disrespect you you join that group, you're going down you're going down you can do that in a Christian school too buddy look at me you can do that in a Christian school just go ahead and get with a cool hand group that doesn't need God, that doesn't love God, that doesn't admire God's word that doesn't Honor God's word. I'm saying, friend, listen. Oh, I'm telling you, bad company will bring you down. I challenge every believer in this room to examine your life in the light of Peter's. He failed because he allowed these things and these people to live in their life. The same does not have to be true of your life, though. It's time to make a change. You say, no, I'll make the change after the tragedy. Sometimes it's too late. It's just too late. I'll find some good friends after the tragedy. I'll come back because Peter came back. You don't know you'll come back. That's right. You could never come back. The time is now. The time is to realize that if Peter fell, who do we? I'm saying we couldn't fail. Father, use this message. I didn't mean to preach so long, but I, I don't apologize for it. I've watched the sport a sport events longer than I preached. Lord, I've watched TV longer than I preached. I've watched a movie longer than I preached. But Lord, I know the attention span's brief in this world today. But God, can we get this one point? We need to draw nigh to you or the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is going to bring us down. And one day, one day there'll be a tragedy. You'll say, oh, I don't know how this happened. Well, I want to tell you something. You'll listen and watch Peter's life. You'll know why it happened.